The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide, uh, this time around hosted by, uh, well, I guess I'm the host, but the guide, the person who's leading us through this 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 jungle of, of cinematic goodness is none other than your friend of mine, world-renowned, highly acclaimed, well-respected local author Howard Linsky. Thank you, mate. You've got all three of the things I wrote down. <laughs> you memorise them beautifully. Oh, and who you. cares if we're hosts, guests, whatever. I mean, it's on in a name, isn't it? Two, yeah. two chaps talking films. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the way to sum it up. Yeah, you're, the, you're like the tour guide and I'm like the bus driver. <laughs> Turn left here at the next junction. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how this is going. Anyway, what we do on the, this here film guide is we look at uh, the films that Howard suggests we should watch that will be on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, before that, we look at uh, a film that Howard deems too good to be forgotten, or as Howard likes to say it, too good to be forgotten. How he does that with his own voice is, is it's, amazing. It's projection, it? you know, it's yeah. artists like us, we know yeah. how to do these things. <laughs> before that, we'll look at new releases uh, on streaming services. We've got one for you from Netflix, but we start off with The Cinema. And uh, one biggie to talk about this week. Each week, film there are quite a few films. I think there's about six films out this week. But uh, but there's one that will be well. There's there's normally one or two that are out everywhere, and then there's also ones that might end up in tiny little cinemas, art houses, and that sort of thing. Uh, we tend to focus on the biggies. And uh, and this week, there's one big film. It is well, depending upon how you look at it, it's either Rocky Nine or it's Creed Three. Yeah, exactly. Um, crikey, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad you remembered the numbers of how many Rocky movies there have been. I've watched a few recently, actually, just reacquainting myself with them. I watched the original Rocky the other day. Mm. Although um, it wouldn't be fair to call this Rocky 9 because Rocky's, Rocky's not, in not in it. Rocky's not in it. Yeah, I know. He's been brutally sacked, but actually he's still a producer. And uh, apparently it was to do with Sylvester Sloan saying that um, Creed 3 is quite a, a personal story. For the you know Michael B. Jordan, who has been Creed in two previous movies, he's directing this one, so he's got more input into the story. And as and as Sylvester Sloan put it, there's no place for me in the movie. So that might uh, be part of what's being said officially, but also yeah, yeah. he's been all over Instagram and anywhere else that will listen, saying about how he feels he's been robbed by the producers. Well, I thought he was um, a producer, so now I'm very confused. Well, he might have his name on it somewhere <coughs> for some reason or other because of he wrote, so he created the characters that some of which are included in this. So mm. he would have created the character of of Creed's father. That Indeed. Was the, yes. But but mm. no, he he apparently doesn't own the rights, and ah. uh, the producer Erwin Winkler he reckons robbed him and wow. took all his you know and 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 wouldn't give him the rights back. Uh, I believe that guy may no longer be with us, but he passed the rights on to his son. Yes, that's and right. Stallone has very publicly said. What he thinks of that, oh, well spotted, and how he created this stuff, but he doesn't—he doesn't make we anything. Need, we out need it. Rocky Balboa to get back into training, step yeah. back in the ring, and knock Adonis Creed yeah. on his back. So I believe that yeah. whilst he's wishing, as I understand it, he's wishing Michael B. Jordan all the best because he's also. Teeth. Um, mm. Well, no, I think he genuinely, from what I've seen of what he said, I think he genuinely wants him to do well because he's directed this as well as starring in it but he feels very much aggrieved that that his creation and this world is his creation doesn't he doesn't own it it's very strange isn't it and i I would have thought if anything you might i I did wonder before this movie came out whether creed 3 might involve a rocky balboa death scene or something because it seemed like a logical way to round up if it if it does get rounded rounded up as a trilogy who knows we could have creed 11 at (laughs) some point but um, you would, yeah, having been quite seriously ill in the first Creed movie, um, you, you would have thought that that might have been a logical end to the Rocky Balboa mm. story. But uh, but yeah, this one, um, so it's Creed 3. The last one, Creed 2, I did not realise was so long ago. It's five years. 
Yeah. So it's, but it's sort of passed me by, the second one. I've seen the first one. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, and um, these are quite critically acclaimed, aren't they? The, mm. the Rocky films... Um, were hit and miss with the critics. You they know, the, were. the first yeah. the first one was best was picture, best picture, the Oscar, and then by the fifth one, I think they were seen as a joke. Absolutely. I mean, I think to, to my, I don't know how you feel about them, but I, I watched them all a long time ago, and I watched Rocky the first one again just last week. Thought it stood up really, really well, but it was way more about the story of the character than just. Yeah. Getting in the ring and knocking people out. And I thought um, the sixth one, one, which I believe you meant, didn't you mention that one? Yes, Rocky Balboa, even though it's not called Rocky Six. Yeah. Well, it apparently came about because uh, Rocky Five was not good, and even Sylvester Stallone said it wasn't good. Rocky Balboa was way more about character development and the fact that it went an hour before you heard that famous theme tune yeah. or Rocky started training and throwing punches kind of indicates it was all about the characters. Yeah. And it was very good. Yeah. But, but yeah, number two I liked. Number three was pretty good with Mr. T. Uh, by four, when we started the Russian bashing, yeah, you know, the sentimental Apollo Creed is dead thing. Although you know. four was commercially huge, huge, massive, absolutely yeah, yeah. massive. Was. I remember it, I was one of the first films I ever saw in the cinema, mm. the the fourth Rocky I remember movie. The cinema, yeah, and you know, it yeah. was. And I remember the the, the fight, Matt, the fight at the end. You know, the whole cinema's like rooting him <laughs> on. <laughs> Uh, um, but yes, I mean, the, the, but yeah, the. Fifth I remember that one was very jingoistic. I mean, obviously because it was Cold War era. Yeah. Um, but so maybe it, maybe in it my full ID, of eighties excesses, wasn't it? Yeah, know? it was a bit. Yeah, and a bit on a bit unlikely. Yeah. But but I mean, they are good, and it's it's. Uh, I started out as a about a guy who was as he would in his own words he was a bum. And he, you know, trained hard and worked hard and got a shot at the title, the yeah. American Dream. It was a great story, great idea, and the well, characters the carried on. Yeah. Un- underdog story. <clears throat> it is, yeah. And what was so great, I thought, about the original one, and this is sort of a spoiler if you've never seen it and you intend to, so turn away now, but, yes. um, but he loses. He doesn't actually win. Yeah, and the yet- whole point is he's got, at one point he says, I cannot beat him. Yeah. I can't do this. And his, and his wife-to-be, Talia Shire, godfather Talia Shire, um, says to him, so, so what are you going to do? And he's like, I can go the distance. And that becomes his yeah. creed. Not Apollo Creed, his yeah. creed. And that was, I don't know if you realise the origins of that, it was based on the Chuck Wepner fight yes. against Ali. And uh, Sylvester Stone saw that and saw a guy having a shot at the title. And uh, there's now, well, it's been out for a while, but there's a Chuck Wepner film as well. Yeah, yeah, with, with Lee Schreiber. That's Brilliant right. film. Yeah. And um, yeah, well worth watching. And also what that, what that film says is how much Chuck Wepner was exploited yeah <laughs> possibly by Sylvester Stallone amongst well, others yeah because yeah. it would seem that for a very long time he didn't get any money for um for, for basically Stallone writing wow. his movie um and uh, you know and, and it, not just from the first Rocky but even the third Rocky the the beginning of it was a um a, a wrestling ma- boxing versus wrestling match yeah with um it was Hulk Hogan playing um another wrestling character and that even Chuck Wepner even did that with Andre the Giant back in the day. Oh yes, Andre the Giant. You know, yeah. and and it was a, it was a, a big kind of fundraising charity thing, and and yeah, so uh, you know, poor old Chuck Wepner. It seems deserved was, a slice of the royalties. Yeah, yeah, he, he kept being mi- missed out. So what did you say at the beginning that Sylvester Stallone's complaining bitterly about having his story stolen by someone? <laughs> <laughs> well, phone the lawyers. Yes, yeah. I couldn't. You might say that I couldn't possibly comment. Yeah. Oh dear. But yeah, so we didn't actually talk about the plot of this movie, did we? Oh, there is one, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is a plot. Honestly, it's buried under all of this uh, preamble. But um, basically, after the events of Creed Two. Adonis, Donnie Creed, is thriving in both his boxing career and his family life. Then a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, Damien, Dame Anderson, resurfaces after serving a long sentence in prison. He's eager to prove he deserves a shot in the ring. And the face-off between former friends 
This class is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Donnie must put his future on the line to battle Dame, a fighter who has nothing to lose. There ain't nothing like a dame. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't say it to him, would you? No, you wouldn't. You'd no. if you said that. In fact, you might sit down the phone, but never face-to-face. Okay. But yeah, I'm sure it'd be good. Um, that's the big one this week. Yeah. Um, one of the characters, uh, one of the actors in it that that I I find it, I don't know, interesting, I guess, that she's, she's casting that, mm. um, is uh, an actress, Felicia Rashad. I think I'm saying her name right, uh, who was... Bill Cosby's TV wife for many years on the Cosby Show. Oh wow! And I'm not sure I've seen her in anything else since then. And suddenly she popped up in the first Creed movie. Yeah, yeah, is that because the mom? She, she yeah. plays a, uh, Apollo Creed's late wife. Yeah, or, yeah. And it's a different actor oh, from the late Apollo Creed's wife. I'm yeah, say. yeah. And which and and she wasn't. She didn't play Apollo Creed's wife in the original movies either. So um, I just thought that was you thinking. Oh look, it's Mrs. Huxtable from the Cosby oh, Show. Oh, brilliant! Well remembered. Yeah, you always yeah. managed to do that. You you managed to always find a little linked to something else in a character because I would never have known that one the one I recognised was Tessa Thompson but mainly because I was watching Creed and my daughter went oh it's Valkyrie from the yes she's in the Thor movies movies, oh yes yes I wouldn't have spotted her either she's also very good at spotting people and going oh yes we've seen them before and, so, and yeah, she's back. And the film that you met you you alluded to about the life of Chuck Wepner is called Chuck. If people are interested, and uh, it came out in twenty sixteen. Doesn't it also have? I may be wrong about this. Does it also have an alternative title like The Bleeder or something? No, I don't know if that on because it's on. It was Amazon. originally yes. It was originally Sorry, it's on called Prime Video. It was originally called The Bleeder, and it seems now it's called Chuck. So you might find it under a different title. Mm. But yeah, um, but it was very sad the way that this guy was going around and then saying, oh, "Have you seen my movie?" Talking about Rocky and and all this, but but was you know he was a pe- he was penniless and uh, destitute, and and it seemed a lot of people were making money out of his story. He sounds like the beginning of Rocky too, but but for the rest of his life, bless him, <laughs> yeah, nearly. Yeah. But he did get recognition. I know they, they put a statue up of him. Actually, not a big one, but it was in uh, the same area. So I guess the Rocky statue is bigger. Yeah, uh, there we go. Okay, yeah. um, but uh, okay. So Creed Three is the film that's yeah. out this week. That's the biggie, uh, directed by Michael B. Jordan as well as starring in it. It's his feature uh, debut as a director, and uh, it is out on the third of March. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over ten years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast. A weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. One release on Netflix to talk about this week, and it is called Love at First Kiss, out on the 3rd of March. Quite an interesting premise, It is. I reckon this one's going to be one of those movies. It's going to be a lot of fun or terrible, but the premise is quite interesting. So Love at First Kiss tells the story of Javier, played by Alvaro Cervantes, who at the age of 16 kissed a girl for the first time and discovered that he had a gift of clairvoyance, at least... Love clairvoyance. I, <laughs> I wonder if she was called clairvoyance, yeah. the girl. Yeah. <laughs> With just one kiss, he's able to see the future of that relationship before living it. So when he kisses a girl, he can see what's going to happen. The good stuff, the bad stuff. In one case on the trailer that he could potentially drown if he goes out with this girl because she's into, you know, wild swimming in, uh, in the sea and stuff. And uh, he, he, so, he, so he flees from quite a few relationships 
after kissing them for the first time because he goes like, no, that's not going to work out. I'll end up dead or we'll end up rowing a lot or whatever. So he gets to be an adult who's never had a lasting relationship. He always breaks up with girls before things start to go wrong. Well, you would. Um, everything changes the night that he kisses Lucia, who's played by Silvia Alonso. And uh, he sees himself happily married with children. Oh. Oh, wouldn't that be sweet? Apart from the fact he's going to break the only bloke rule that really, really matters. Lucia is his best friend's girlfriend. What a rat. So he has a choice. And I guess we'll have to see what, how that pans out. Yeah. There you go. So that's the premise. I mean, it's original, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, you very know? much so. Love I mean, story with a bit of a laugh thrown in. Mm-hmm. He gets a few glasses of wine thrown into his face when he breaks up the girl as soon as he's kissed her. So, you know, a bit of comedic moments there. Yeah. Also, he's an idiot because maybe maybe it was... Ne- I mean, short of the ones where he's getting visions that he's going to die, mm. you know, maybe, you know, it wasn't forever after, but it was for now, you know? Yeah, it was- maybe, yeah, all part of life's rich tapestry, yeah, you know? Yeah, So, yeah. Yeah, but, but anyway, yeah. interesting premise. I guess uh, I've never seen a, a premise quite like that or heard of one quite like that. No, so, so that's Love at go. First Kiss, which mm. is out on the 3rd of March. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Time for that part in The Film Guide when Howard Linsky is here, where we discover another film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. That's how that's done, Max Hartington, if you're listening. Who Max? You tell him that every time. <laughs> he never listens, so he doesn't know I've ever said it. Oh, fair enough. Maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a friend will tell him one day and he'll be like, hey, what? You don't know Max that well, do you? Like, oh, okay. like he's going to have friends. Oh, dear. Okay. Anyway, Max is here in a fortnight. <laughs> Maybe Hi, not. Max. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you've chosen another film that, that you have deemed too good to be forgotten. Tell all. Yes, okay. Um, I always start with this question, don't I? Have you seen this one yourself? I do not believe I've seen oh, it. You see, I always think I've prove my point if you've never seen it because you've seen lots of stuff so the movie is called bound and it's uh mid 90s which was a really good purple patch for filmmaking i think 1996 american neo-noir crime thriller now i do like crime noir um it's uh written and directed by the wachowskis who are pretty well known for the matrix and i think that's one of the reasons why this one has been very much too good to be forgotten um so it features a character called violet played by jennifer tilly who longs to escape her abusive relationship with a mafiosi, mafioso boyfriend, Caesar, who's played by Joe Pantoliano, almost as if he was auditioning for The Sopranos later when he was in that. Um, she enters into a clandestine affair with alluring ex-con Corky, who's a woman played by Gina Gershon, and the two women hatch a scheme to steal $2 million of mafia money. So this was the first film the Wachowskis did, uh, they were inspired by famous film director Billy Wilder to tell a noir story filled with violence and yes, I'll warn you now, a bit of sex. Um, and it was. Oh, I might uh, have seen it. <laughs> you might have paused it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, interesting on the sex side, I wouldn't normally bang on about this, but apparently they used someone to choreograph the scenes. They employed a sex educator called Susie Bright as one of the first ever intimacy coordinators. Oh. So there you go, ahead of their time. I do um, find that interesting. I've, hmm. I've recently heard a couple of different actors talking about the, the, the need for intimacy um, directors or coaches or whatever they're hmm. called, coordinators, what are they calling them now? And uh, it would seem to be that, that um, male actors don't really see the point Whereas female actors are, are very really much relieved yeah, that, so that was, there's finally someone doing this. I saw McKellen came out against it, didn't he? And uh, uh, Emma Thompson 
quickly said, no, he's got it very wrong. And for a woman, it's very important to have yeah. someone there. And I can imagine that would be the case because you say, well, men don't care much about what they're doing and where they're touched or whatever, but a woman does. So yeah. it's all, all a good idea. But yeah, they were way ahead of the time, nearly 30 years ago. Okay. So, But it's really good. It's very uh, well plotted. <clears throat> lots of good dialogue. Uh, lots of chemistry between the two women who are obviously want to uh, steal the money from uh, Joe Pantoliano's character. But he's obviously very dangerous, and there are very dangerous people out to get him too. There's twists and turns. It's well worth a watch. Okay. That's uh, Bound uh, from 1996. That's the film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment with Howard's Choice of Films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. We've reached the final part of the film guide where where we look at your choice. I'm saying you're looking at you. Yep. Uh, we, talking, <laughs> talking to uh, well, well-respected, highly acclaimed local author Howard Linsky, if you didn't already know because you've been listening to this so far for 20-odd minutes. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. Uh, and we commence with uh, Friday the 3rd of March, 10pm on BBC Three, Kick-Ass. Yeah, I love this. It's great fun. Black comedy. A superhero thing, but very much tongue-in-cheek, uh, based on a comic book by Mark Miller and John Romita Jr., directed by Matthew Vaughan, uh, who was responsible for Lear Cake, amongst others, and the Kingsman series. Um, and it tells the story of an ordinary teenager, played by Aaron Johnson, who sets out to become a real-life superhero, calls himself Kick-Ass, and I think in the early scenes, pretty much all he does achieve is getting his own ass kicked. <laughs> Um, he gets caught up in a bigger fight, though, when he meets Big Daddy, played by Nicolas Cage. Very yeah, that, that's to people in Britain, surely Big Daddy is not yeah. Nicolas Cage, is it's it? A, it's it's a Shirley yeah. Crabtree. It's a big fat bloke with, so. in a leotard, isn't uh, it? The, the many, many thousands of 20 year olds who listen to this podcast will be going, Who the hell is Shirley Crabtree and what's Big Daddy? But I know exactly what you mean. Go- Google. Yeah, Google, Use it. Google. Google Shirley Crabtree. You would have to be a very sick. hard man. If you've been christened Shirley, wouldn't you? Maybe that's why. Yeah. A bit like a boy named Sue. Yeah. You remember that song? Anyway, I digress again. John Wayne was called Marion. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we are. So no wonder he grew up so tough. Um, anyway, uh, Nicholas Cage plays a former cop uh, who, in his quest to bring down a crime boss, he's played by Mark Strong. This was during a period when Mark Strong played every Hollywood villain in just about every movie. It seemed at the time, everybody from uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham to to this dude. Um, and was he it, the show for nine? And which film was that? The one with um, oh, Greggy, you played Robin Hood in that one. Was, was it Russell, Russell Crowe? Crow? Oh, okay, I think it was a Russell Crowe one. I've not seen that one. Yeah. Anyway, I may be getting my my uh, Robin Hood movies mixed up, but I think that was the one he was the. But the he was definitely a, a sheriff of Nottingham. I believe he was. Yes, indeed. I'm now sweating while you quickly <laughs> Google <laughs> to check whether I've got that right or wrong. But he was our villain in 
If um, it's wrong, I'll take out the whole thing of you saying that, and then no one will ever know. I just assumed I'd be fired and replaced by another world-renowned author by next week. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. easily done. Yeah, we'll uh, see. But anyway, back back to back to the um, the movie in question, Kick Ass. So the the fun bit about um, the aforementioned Big Daddy, Nicholas Cage's character, he's trained his eleven-year-old daughter. <laughs> Brilliantly played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who's gone on to do loads of stuff since then, and very well, usually. Um, she's now the vigilante hit girl, so she's got all these martial arts skills, and she's amazing with weapons. Um, and meanwhile, from memory, because it's been a while since I've seen this movie, um, Dave, the guy who's the ordinary teenager who gets his ass kicked, is also souped up a bit because he gets, um, you know, he changes because of the kick and he took, and the, I think they give him titanium limbs or something i can't remember all of the ins and outs of it but it makes him easier to become a a kind of mini superhero light version of himself and it's just bonkers and fun with lots of good dialogue and uh, daft situations and it it rattles along and uh, it was a big hit at the time 2010 oh uh, yeah um and and it spawned a sequel as well didn't it It did yeah i haven't actually seen the sequel uh, um, and the I, and it was written by uh, alongside the the director it was written by jonathan ross's wife Jane ah, Goldman. Oh, I didn't realize um, she'd written it. Yeah, they made another movie together, didn't they? Matthew Vaughan and her. They did. I think Stardust, they've done. Is it? I think they've done several together now. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and you were right, by the way, in your Robin Hood. Oh, thank heavens um, for that. Yeah, yeah, it was the Russell Crowe one. <laughs> you know, um, when you say something with authority, and someone gives you a questioning look, and then you think, "Am I just making that up? Did I dream it?" But yeah, I do vaguely remember it. I remember him riding along the beach, and an arrow skims his cheek, and uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, there was a time there where Mark Strong, who I always think of still to this day as Tosca in Our Friends in the North, which I watched again recently and love. But he, he played a lot of Hollywood villains over a period of time and uh, carved out quite a niche for himself. So okay. fair play. Um, Jane Goldman as well. Yes, uh, she worked on the Kingsman movies oh. as well. Uh, she wrote those. Uh, and uh, yeah, she has, it would seem, has... Uh, I'm just looking down this list... Uh, yeah, uh, X Men, uh, Days of Future Past, and X Men First Class, which were both again, again Matthew with Matthew Vaughan. Vaughan. Yeah, mm. um, he's not done too badly, has he? I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, he's got involved because he started out as a producer, didn't he? And he did yeah, Lockstock. Yes, with and Guy Ritchie, wasn't I, it? I don't know if this is an apocryphal tale or not, but I understood that he was looking for a director to do Lear Kick, and then he just thought, I'm struggling to get the right person. I'll just direct it myself, you know. Which is kind of amazing that you just switch sides and go, yeah, I'll produce and direct yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's uh, Kick-Ass on BBC3, 10pm on Friday the 3rd of March. We move to Saturday the 4th of March, 9pm on Film 4. And this is probably my favourite of the Bourne movies, I would say. Uh, it's Bourne... <laughs> yeah, go. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Right, so, right, I can right see up my there, notes. alongside Bourne 3. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's oh, Bourne, Bourne on the 4th of July. Bourne on the 4th of July. Strangely enough, not featuring Matt Damon. Is it not? One. No, I'm sorry to disappoint oh, you. It's not that awful one with, yeah. um, what's he called, with the squirrely up face, um, Jeremy Renner. Oh, I, I, do you know what? I think I'm the only person in the country that likes that movie. <sighs> yeah, Rachel Weisz and Jeremy Renner, I thought it was pretty good. It didn't actually feature Matt Damon or Bourne, but it was directed by the guy who wrote the original ones, wasn't it? And didn't direct So it wasn't Paul Greengrass, is that his name? Um, it was the other fella. But anyway, I digress because this is not that one either. But I, I'm very aware that um, on the subject of Bourne, I'm one of the very few people that went to that and thought, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most it's people were like, that, oh, I don't like it, don't the, like it. Tony Gilroy was the name that you were alluding. That ah. was the director who I think wrote um, previous ones. Yes, he did. But, yeah. um, but it yeah. was, did you not, like there's a whole bit in there where they're whatever they're up to, there's TVs in the background that are showing 
Matt Damon's character because I believe this film ran concurrently to the third Bond movie. Oh, right. And you could yeah. see like they were looking for him and yeah. looking for Matt Damon mm. and, and and news stories about Matt Damon's character. And all I kept thinking was, I want to be watching that film again. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like the fact there was a little more story to it, but it's just it's typical from an author. I just wanted to know more about the. The story and the characters were really, you know, you were just interested in car chases and shooting people, weren't you? No, I like. No, I'm just teasing, but you well, know. all right, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I mean, I think the Bourne stories are very good, actually. All of them, I do like them all. But, yeah. Um, I know that when how, I came how out, how far one, have they diverged from the actual source material? Because it was right, a series well, of books by Robert Ludlum, wasn't it? I went so when the Bourne Identity came out and was huge, and I heard it was based on Ludlum's character. I remember my dad read those books, you know, years and years ago. So I went out and got Bourne Identity, and I don't think I ever finished it because. Something like the first 60 or 70 pages, he's in the Far East. And there's not much reference to... It. I mean, it was nothing like... Yeah. What they seem to... Sorry, nothing like the film. What they seem to have done with the film is kind of bought the premise of an assassin who's got no memory. And that, that seemed to be about it, really. And, of course, it was set in a completely different era. So it was it was contemporary to the movie, whereas the book, I think, is written in about... 79, 80, something like that. But one of the things I sort of found interesting was when the um, when the, the Matt Damon movie came out, they kind of kept quiet that it had been done once before. And um, Richard Chamberlain That's right, played, of all people, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it Gosh. was done in the in the 80s, and it was him and Jacqueline Smith, one of the Charlie's oh, Angels. Oh, yeah, wow. Uh, and, and it was nowhere near as... Uh, as, as I, I, I already imagined him as Bourne, but dressed as his character in the Thornbirds, you know, <laughs> with his, like, sort of priestly robes on and kicking everybody around, so yeah. no, that would be great. So, yeah. yes, it was another yeah. mini-series, I guess, along the same lines as mm-hmm. the old... Uh, um, yeah, the, was it the Thornbirds? Because that was his thing, wasn't it? That Richard Chamberlain just did these sort of TV miniseries, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was renowned for that. They were the ones that uh, ran concurrently for several weeks. Yeah. So didn't he also do the uh, James Clavell one? Was it Shogun? Oh, Shogun, That yes. was pretty good, yes. I seem to remember. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway. we're, we're digressing again. We might be talking about Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not really a Born film at all. <laughs> it isn't, no. Yeah, but it should be. But no. No, this is way more serious. I mean, this is a true story based on um, the life of Ron Kovic, who was um, memorably was in the military in the Vietnam War. And he was shot twice in his second tour of Vietnam and ended up in a wheelchair. So the movie, which is directed by Oliver Stone and directed really well, was a kind of... Not not part of a trilogy, but a, but it's classed as part of a trilogy. His first being his autobiographical story, or partly autobiographical story, Platoon, which came out in eighty six. Three years later, you got born on the fourth of July, and the final instalment was Heaven and Earth from nineteen ninety three. So this one has Tom Cruise as Kovic. It's got Kyra Sedgwick in it as well. Frank Wally, who you would recognise, and Willem Dafoe, and it shows twenty years of Kovic's life, starting with his childhood how he was very gung-ho to get into the military because he thought that, you know, was serving his country. He was very patriotic. Um, probably thought, um, well, they actually allude to the fact that he thought going to war was a bit like when he used to run around with his mates and they would shoot each other with toy guns and things when he was a kid. And then he realises that what he, after he's paralysed, he realised it was always a complete, complete waste, really. Um, and he'd been lied to in his, um, in his view about Vietnam and the enemy and he transitioned to become an anti-war activist, and it shows his life over twenty years, and it's very moving, very well acted by Cruz. Who, mm. who, you know, he doesn't. He tends to do a lot of blockbuster movies, but when he when he goes into a movie that just relies on acting, 
um, as he, this does. He's very, very good. And I think because he's Tom Cruise, you can forget that he can actually act quite well. And yeah. this was his first uh, Best Actor Oscar nomination. Uh, and then he got another yeah, one two for or three Jeremy years Maguire. after Top Gun, which yeah. was completely different. And that, obviously, Top Gun is quite jingoistic, the first one in particular. Yeah. But this one's very much about the reality of this what happens when you get shot. And, uh, and also how the system let him down because. I guess it, I'm hoping it's a lot better these days. And if you did get paralysed in a in a military action, you would be shipped away to somewhere specialist. You'd be very well looked after. You'd be taken care of. Back then, not so much. Mm. It's quite harrowing what happened to him. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the film uh, born on the fourth of July with yes, a commanding performance by Tom Cruise. Previously, he was just more than a a pretty boy who could do yeah, blockbusters. Film star and a great actor. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then annoyingly good at everything. Yeah. And <laughs> so apparently, in his whole career now, given that he's been in some of the biggest movies of all time, he's never won an Oscar, but he's been nominated four times, and his fourth one is not yet been announced so he could win one why he didn't win the best actor oscar for cocktail is beyond me really <laughs> such a classic that movie i thought he was i thought he was very good in tropic thunder where he's almost oh, unrecognizable that was brilliant. Yeah. i love it yeah, yeah he's terrific in that but no he's up for best picture for top gun maverick this year um although i think the smart money's on everyone everywhere all at once when yeah but i've seen both of those i i, I liked everyone everywhere all at once, mm. it's very, you know, it's very good and everything. But honestly, bear in mind, I didn't even like the first Top Gun because it was very jingoistic and yeah. the guys were all very arrogant. And all, probably because it, it, I watched it when I was about eighteen and thought I'm nothing like those guys. And that's probably why I resented it so much. Yeah, when you but, play beach volleyball, the girls didn't um, come around. Yeah, to they, watch, they left they? the beach if yeah. I tried to play beach volleyball, or they couldn't see me because I was so skinny. But um, but I thought Top Gun Maverick was brilliant. I've seen it twice: once at the cinema and once when it did stream. Yeah. And what a movie! And to me, it was my movie of last year. It really yeah. was good. It's it's a it's a cracking film, and and uh, apparently sp- there's footage somewhere of Spielberg pulling Tom Cruise to one side on a red carpet at some award ceremony and saying, "Hey, Tom, thanks for Top Gun. You saved the cinema." Yeah, and uh, because you know coming yeah, out of the coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, big blockbuster movies were seen. Maybe they were no more. Yeah, and I think that and Bond probably yeah. in that year. And also, you know, he'd hung before. on to this movie he for did. such a long time, as they did with the Bond film. That, that both of those films were on the shelf for a very long time, mm. and they refused to release them anywhere other than a cinema I think for a single actor I can't think of anybody else who's got bigger box office over such a long period of time uh, way more hits than misses yeah uh, masses of them so yeah he's huge I mean I think at one point uh, Harrison Ford might have been a contender mm. for something like that as well but That's I, true, I, yeah. I suspect over time his films have been eclipsed I did read a statistic about him that said that at one point in in history Harrison Ford starred in the six of the top 10 That's biggest right. films of I've all time that. yeah yeah um, but but I don't know <clears throat> if any of those films are still in that top 10 now yeah so I mean toward the end of the 70s right up to the end of the 80s he was absolutely the biggest yeah uh, but I guess Tom Cruise more or less from about 86, 87 onwards, and he just seems to keep having hit after hit with yeah. the Mission Impossible franchise. How many of that? How many of those are there now? Five or six? I've lost count. To seven, be I think. Seven is. I think there's a seventh <laughs> imminent. Um, did, also, I saw something online the other day that that really made me sort of scratch my head slightly because it it showed um, a poster for films that were coming out in 1989 in the summer of 89. And you had in there, in that summer, you had some films that I think have almost like defined my, my, my film life, you know, that um, in the summer of 1989, Lethal Weapon 2 came out, which I thought was one of the best of its kind. Was it Indian The Last Crusade? Was that Indiana Jones yeah. The Last Crusade was yeah. one of them. Uh, Batman was one of oh, them, yeah. you know, Michael Keaton. Uh, mm. And to think that 
you know, if, if it, the thing I read said that, would you have thought back then that if somebody said to you in 2023, there'd be another Indiana Jones film coming out with Harrison Ford in it and another <laughs> Batman film with Michael Keaton in it, you'd wow. go, no way. But, Gosh, but no, um, that Michael Keaton is playing Batman again in The Flash that comes out um, oh, later right. this year. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 is out later this year. There's also the rumours of another Bond movie, but it probably won't be out this year. But no. um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson who, from Kick-Ass that we mentioned just a moment oh, ago yes. is rumoured to be the next James Bond. Yeah, I mean, I can never keep up with the rumours of the next James Bond. Uh, you, you know, how close they are to the truth or not, but there's a few names being mentioned. Well, there? yeah, um, and, and often, though, with, with the, the Bond films, when they announce somebody as being rumoured, it almost feels like it's a perverse pleasure the producers take in then not making it that person. Yeah. So whether true. that they then don't is always go the... for the obvious choices. I don't think Daniel Craig was the most obvious choice back then, was he? No. It? But there's a great story because the Sun leaked it two days before they made the official announcement of who the next James Bond would be. Oh, right. And it was, um, or the day before. And what they did was they phoned Daniel Craig's mum and they went, isn't it great that he's been the oh. new Bond? And she went, oh yeah, it's lovely. Oh, went, lovely. Thanks for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they got it wrong? <laughs> well, I think it was like a known. It was a known secret that yeah. with with a lot of these sorts of things, the news is already out there. It's embargoed, and and yeah. the press all play the game, and they they won't release something like that until it's announced. But I guess if you can find out that information by another means, then you're you not get, breaking embargo. I d- doubtless they said Daniel Craig's mum has spilled the beans. He's about to be named the next James Bond, and poor girl got all the flack. You know. Yeah. It's, oh, mother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mum, <laughs> you're so embarrassing, <laughs> mum. <laughs> anyway, oh dear. Born on the fourth of July. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Nine p.m. Film for Saturday the fourth of March. Let's move to Sunday the fifth of March. And I tell you what, it's all killer, no filler from Howard this time round, oh, yeah. because the next one up is another cracking movie, very, very different. Uh, it is Bombshell, nine yeah. pm on film uh, four. The only thing, the only comparison is it's based on a true story, rather. And you know, they, they these days they have a habit of putting that in front of movies. Yeah. Same things like based on real events, and you think, well, isn't everything based on real events? Kind of, but um, this one really is. And uh, I've got more notes than normal on it because it features three key characters so it's bombshell it's a, a 2019 drama directed by gia roach um great cast charlie theron nicole kidman and margot robbie and it's based on the accounts of women who were at fox news who were sexually harassed in different ways by roger Ailes, who was the ceo and others um so john lithgow's in it as well uh Malcolm mcdowell's in it kate mckinnon connie Britton and Alison Janney in supporting roles. Now, it starts with um, around about the 2016 era Republican debates where Megyn Kelly got a load of flack back from Donald Trump when she criticised him or challenged him about offensive comments he'd made about women without dredging them all up again. He was known for that. And when she called him out, he made offensive comments about her as well and then made light of them. Um, And she um, had to reconcile with him, even though it was his fault, under pressure from Fox, who were obviously very pro-Trump and still are to a degree, but back then they were rabidly so. She got death threats. She was followed by the paparazzi. And um, she had a terrible time of it. Meanwhile, Gretchen Carlson, another anchor of a popular show, Fox and Friends, that you may have heard of, was transferred to a less popular show and um, experienced sexism and ageism and all kinds of harassment again. And a third woman um, called <coughs> Kayla Pos. Uh, sorry, I'll probably mispronounce this. Pospisil uh, starts at Fox and begins being sexually harassed by eels almost from day one. Now, the bit that's well documented in the end is that these people eventually 
managed to settle with Fox. And I think the statistic that stags, staggers me is that Ailes and another famous um, anchor called O'Reilly, they left. The victims of sexual harassment received $50 million between them. Ailes and O'Reilly got $65 million in severance after being the people who were the uh, uh, perpetrators of the sexual harassment. And it's just a fascinating account of what these women had to put up with in a world that is pretty right-wing Republican and old-fashioned in America. Uh, and a, a sewer, really, of, of sexual harassment. Mm. And it came all out around about the Me Too era. A lot of this came out at the same time, and very thankfully. So it's well worth a watch. Very well acted and very well made. It's a very powerful <clears throat> movie as well, not least because it is from very recent history. Yeah, it's, it's not th- that long ago. Not, yeah. not much time has passed from when these things happened to when yeah. the film was made. And, and I imagine as well in America this would have had a bigger impact because a lot of these people were faces that were known to people in America. They, of course, yeah. Some of these people were household faces. And yeah, they're like movie stars in a way because with network TV going right across America with a much bigger population than our country, they're millionaires and they're, they're, they're like little, well, not little, they're like film stars in a sense because they're beamed into your television every night. Well, I'm, I was trying morning. to think of like kind of <clears throat> British equivalents, but it would be, you know, people like Susanna Reid or... or, mm. or, or um, <laughs> As his name now has escaped me. That does, other one. Does, yeah, the other one. No, <laughs> I, I was, know who you mean. No, you I said lying, the, the, so I don't watch it Alex usually. Jones on oh, yeah. um, The One Show. People, people like that. The people who are known to us, who are in our yes. households, who are in our houses on television nearly every day. Yep. And they were the people who were the centre of this. And, this yeah. and, and <clears> so it must have been strange as well, because what I gather that some of the people watching, in particular Charlize Theron, who had a lot of um, makeup and, and, and things applied to make her look like the real life character Megan Kelly and, and and that must be quite startling to see somebody so well known being portrayed by someone else so well known yeah. and, and being <clears> done <throat> so well and I gather that most of the characters in the movie were real life people I think the only one that was mm. made of the main characters that was made up was Margot Robbie's character oh, right. which was but but she was like a, a composite a composite of, yeah. of, of gotcha. people who, who th- th- these things had happened to ah uh, right I'd forgotten that I thought she was a real person but to be honest it, it you, you probably had so many cases in that culture where it was very much dominated by Eels. Like a lot of these places, you get one guy at the very top who's got all the power. Yeah. And even um, the uh, scenes where he shows where he, he brings, he'll bring someone into his office and he'll say, you know, if you're good with me, I can make, I can put you on this show, I can make you an anchor. And then he'll get the girl to twirl around in his office or hitch her skirt up so he can yeah. see her legs and all that kind of thing. And it, and it starts with that and it gets worse. So, yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah, it, it's 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 shocking stuff, and um, you you know as well that this isn't just uniquely an American problem. You no, know, we we'd know full well that this this would have been rife in in the UK and in other places as well. But anyway, Bombshell, a very uh, uh, very powerful, very dramatic movie, and, and very gripping. Really, really it is. told very well, uh, and 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 you know, top marks to to all the the cast in it: Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie, and also John Lithgow, who plays it. He, he's despicable in this movie. He is, and yeah. he's some. He's so loving and lovable, and, and then you see yeah, him in, in this. this. The other one who played the same character actually is Russell Crowe in a TV series, and I've actually I admit I've forgotten the name of it, but it was out a couple of years ago, and he played Roger Eels as well. Um, and that was good, but um, yeah, against type, I suppose you might say, because he's not—he's no longer gladiator or the master and commander. He's this horrible, uh, exploitative 
uh, head of a network. The loudest voice show. was the TV miniseries. That's that, the one. Uh, Thank you. I'd forgotten that, that one, he'd yeah. appeared in. There. That's Russell Crowe who played the same character. Anyway, that's Bombshell. Mm. Sunday, the fifth of March, nine p.m. on Film Four. Monday, the sixth of March, uh, nine p.m. on Film Four. We it's it's, it's a Film Four week this week, uh, and the the film on Monday that we're going to be talking about is. Oh, arguably one of the best um, sort of mafia crime movies around. Yeah. Although I'm surprised you didn't pick the second one because some people would argue the second one's better. But anyway, we'll we'll talk about that another time. Okay. Um, because we're going to talk now about The Godfather. The Godfather. Nine yes, p.m. Sir. film four, Monday the sixth of March. That's the one. I think nearly everybody, particularly if you listen to a film podcast, will know all about this. But it's worth a, an, another look if you've seen it, and if you are. Unfortunately, you haven't had the chance to watch it. Please watch it soon because, you know, it's going to complete your education. It's a wonderful movie directed way back in 1972 by Francis Ford Coppola um, at a time where the Mafia was known about, but it was still not deeply understood how the Mafia operated, I would say, broadly across, you know, most civilians wouldn't know how it worked. And this is a fabulous movie charting how um, Michael Corleone, who's played by Al Pacino, goes from a respectable relatively respectable member of a crime family because he's not a criminal he's a war hero actually um, becomes eventually a ruthless mafia boss and that happens when his father is shot his father memorably played by Marlon Brando um, co-stars in the movie James Kahn as, as his other brother Robert Duvall as his kind of brother who plays a consigli- consigliere John Cazale's in it and Diane Keaton and they're all incredibly good it's the first instalment of the Godfather trilogy it won all the awards it's beautifully acted, wonderfully written, um, and it, yeah, gosh, if you haven't seen it, see it, see it now. Just drop everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it is a it's an all time classic, isn't it? You know, and there's no two ways about it. And uh, and yeah, um, often listed as one of the greatest films ever made, uh, but often eclipsed sometimes, well, sometimes eclipsed by the sequel to it, Indeed. which some people argue is is maybe yeah, even better people, than the original. I I never quite can never decide between the two. A lot of people say the second part is better. I can see why they say that. What I like about the first part is it is one story that starts with the beginning, middle, and end, and you follow it quite easily. Uh, I didn't get confused by Godfather Part Two in any way, but it does dart around because it's a prequel and a sequel. Yeah, but let's so, let's not talk about the Godfather Part Two now because we'll get sidetracked. Um, okay, you know, and we don't do that, do we? No, we don't. So Monday, the sixth of March, nine p.m. on a film for the Godfather. That is Howard's choice on Monday. Let's move now to Tuesday, the seventh of March, nine p.m. on a film for and Howard's choice. Oh. His choice is The Godfather Part 2. There you go. I wasn't sure if you'd seen that or not and you were just having a laugh. But yes, that's on the following day and that sometimes happens and there we are. Uh, yeah, all that, just pause, rewind, play what I said about the narrative. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. <clears throat> it shows the story of how <clears throat> Marlon Brando's character, uh, this time played by Robert De Niro, a young Robert De Niro, because it's 1974, how he comes from being a respectable-ish um, Italian uh, migrant in uh, New York to getting involved in crime and then rising up the ladder uh, in the early days of the Corleone family <clears throat> and becoming a big figure and then it leaps because it goes back and forth but it leaps to what happens to Al Pacino after the events of the first Godfather movie and how he is under threat from all sides um, other gangsters and a senate hearing into uh, and these were based on actual things that occurred where uh, organized crime was held up rather like the McCarthy witch hunts you know those kind of trials the show yeah. trials where you had senators asking questions so it looks like um, Al Pacino's character Michael Corleone 
might face his uh, undoing, um, either either through assassination or a long prison sentence. And it follows the events of a turbulent time for him, as well as telling the story of his father as a young man. Mm. It's great stuff. Now, as a as a <clears throat> teenager, I was quite fascinated by these movies, and I bought a box set that was the Godfather saga, I believe it might have been called, and it was the first two movies, but re-edited and yes. with additional <clears throat> sequences, which I believe was originally done for television. They made yeah, it into a mini series. It's longer, and they showed it in episodes. But yes, yeah. I've seen the footage. Yeah, and there's yeah. extra scenes in there, like. Um, I think there's a scene at the beginning, isn't there, where the consigliere of um, Marlon Brando is dying, and they don't they show that, and he's so convinced that his boss is so all powerful that he could get the devil to you know not take him. Uh, you know, this man's dying on his deathbed. It's going, could you just have a word with the devil because he wouldn't dare cross you, boss? <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm sure that's one of the bonus scenes or extra scenes. Well, certainly the 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 one that I saw and had, yeah, it was over seven hours, and yes, yeah. it was split into four <clears throat> episodes, but it it re-edited it into chronological order, so you had the flashback sequences from the second movie with Robert De Niro all put together <clears throat> at the beginning. Ah. Then you had the first Godfather movie, and then you had the rest of the second Godfather movie at the end. But I think now, looking back, it doesn't need that. It's yeah. so well done and so yeah, well told. Yeah, it holds together really, really well. And, and yeah. you, you, there's no, you, there's no confusion when they, when it bounces back and forth from, from what, what the, the movie's setting of present day, and then the movie's flashbacks. Um, so it's jumping from what, like the, the, the 50 Senate hearings back to the 1920s, 20s, um, yeah. in, in yeah. Sicily. Uh, but but no, you know, beautiful, epic, operatic, oh, it's wonderful storytelling. Yeah, <clears throat> it's so incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, a, a, a marvelous effort by by all those involved. And also, I gather the second one was only partially based on the uh, the the book because they they basically they shot most of the book for the first film. Yes, they did. Uh, Mario Puzo's book, and uh, <clears throat> it's interesting the story with that, where he didn't expect his book would be a hit and it was obviously a huge hit selling millions of copies for years and he kind of went oh I, I kind of crashed it out i didn't write i would have i would have concentrated on writing it better if i'd realized it was going to be such a big hit yeah but i think um really in the hands of coppola it became something else it well, became yeah, elevated quite. really and um and <clears> then <throat> um yes yeah, so so mario puzo then wrote um the sicilian which yes. was uh, Christoph Lambert was in that one, wasn't he? Well, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so 15 years after he published The Godfather, was he Michael did Chimino this, directed that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I believe I'm right in saying they removed all links and references to The Godfather. Yeah. Whereas in the book, Michael Corleone is 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 sort of quite key in the storyline of The Sicilian. Ah, I've never read the book, and I remember the movie didn't do all that well. No, it's a bit mixed. I think I've seen it. Well, I have seen it, but I don't remember much about it. Yeah. Uh, long, long time ago, I went to see it. Yeah, no, they, they they changed. I think Joss Ackland played the Don rather than yes, Al Pacino. That's right, he was in it, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but anyway, actor. The Godfather Part 2, 9pm, Film 4, Tuesday the 7th of March. I don't know if you can go any better, really, than The Godfather Part 2. And when it comes to sequels as well that are arguably better than the original one. Yeah, it's got to be the best sequel ever. I can think, uh, you know, Top Gun Maverick is very, very good. But well, the only other one I can think of is maybe what you've picked for Wednesday, eighth yeah, of March, ten thirty yeah. pm on ITV Four: The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I know, and this is the third in the series, isn't it? I think yeah. because there was a fistful of dollars and a few dollars more. And and and, and another this one, big budget epic stuff, you know. And another movie that is that is argued that is is a lot better than the original. Mm, um, yes, which uh, I think there's no two ways about no, this. No, there one. isn't. I mean, the storytelling in this is fantastic. Uh, it is the classic epic spaghetti western uh, you know classed as an Italian epic do you know where most of it was filmed out of uh, curiosity 
Yes. Oh, you want to answer that? Yeah, uh, no, so you don't have to. No pressure. So, so they're known as spaghetti westerns, but yes. not because they're filmed in Italy. They were Correct. filmed in Spain. It was yes. because they were Italian-funded movies. Yeah, weren't they? so it was uh, exactly. So you, you, I, I knew you'd know what I was teeing you up for that one. But um, that we we kind of assumed that. Well, originally people assumed they were shot in America. Then they realised spaghetti western shot in Italy. But no, it was an Italian production. Sergio Leone is obviously Italian. Ennio Morricone, Italian, um, and American actor parachuted in. But yeah, shot in Spain, most of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like a Western, so it is a Western. And uh, Clint Eastwood, he's the, the main guy um, that reappears. Lee Van Cleef reappears, even though he shouldn't really, if you think about it. He's playing a different character, I suppose, or unless it was classed as a... Well, it can't be classed as a prequel because the events of the, the previous movies he's in... Uh, is he in Fistful of Dollars? I think that's the one he's in. Lee Van Cleef is in A Few Dollars More, but, oh, plays, dollars more. but plays a right. different character. Different character, yeah. Because um, this one is considered a prequel, right? Um, but so, so but it's it can't, not. But it can't be if he's playing the same character. So you're right; it's a different character. Well, uh, no spoilers, but you know. What well, I mean? the reason why people think it's a prequel is because it was never outright said it was a prequel. But yeah. but there are certain indicators in the movie. So as the movie goes along, you see Clint Eastwood develop or his character develop the look. Ah, uh, yes. That he then you're right. He is, does like the poncho, yeah, uh, which he picks up and. Doesn't he pick up? His, when he, I love the scenes where he's, um, uh, you know, he's smoking at the campfire, and Eli Wallach is following him, and eventually can smoke the thing that he's left. And you see this cigar-smoking, uh, poncho-wearing dude, yeah, a man yeah. with no name or Blondie, I think he's called in this one, isn't he? That's yeah, the nickname he but gets you, from yeah, you see him developing the look. That, so it's almost as if like this is the the origin story. This is the Casino Royale of of it, yeah. because by the end of it, he becomes the man with no name, he does, yes. like Daniel Craig becomes James Bond at the end of yes. So that's where a lot of the fans of these movies think that this was set before. Yes, I wouldn't argue with the logic of that one. And it's so good. I think all three actors are great, but in particular, Eli Wallach. I love yeah. that. I mean, another one guy who's been in The Godfather. He was in Godfather 3. Yeah. He was also in The Magnificent Seven. Um, but And lots of other really. I mean, he's a heavyweight actor who occasionally goes off and does really good movies like this one. But he is fantastic. As I think he's called Tuco in this, isn't he? But the ugly he is. Um, and doesn't seem to mind. And he's got great lines in it. He's got loads of charisma. He's great fun. Mm. And it just follows. Initially, it starts out that um, he teams up with Clint Eastwood. He's about to be um, hanged. And they work this scam where every time he gets captured, the reward money is claimed by Clint Eastwood, who walks in with him. He then is going to be hanged just before they pull the horse out from under him. Clint Eastwood shoots the rope, and off he goes. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, his reward then goes up and eventually they fall out uh, quite epically and then they realise that they both end up, uh, cutting a long story short, they both have one piece of two bits of information about where some gold is stored in a cemetery in a particular grave and that's where they're all headed, including the evil one, the bad one, Lee Van Cleef. I think he's called Angel Eyes in this from memory. Mm. Um, and they have this big... Um, showdown shootout epic ending and it's wonderful when Eli Wallach is looking for the right grave and he's running along yeah and they play that Ennio Morricone tune oh, it's just wonderful 
It, yes, it's such, such a, a good movie. movie. I also saw for the first time recently Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, right. No, no, it's not called that, is the it? The West. Once Upon a Time Once, in the West. Once Upon a Time in the West. Another um, Leone, Ennio Morricone yeah, collaboration. Which yeah. originally was supposed to be those three actors again, yeah. but again playing different characters. But but I think Clint Eastwood was the first to not sign up for was it. Was it Charles Bronson in that yeah, one? Yes, yeah, so Charles yeah, Bronson yeah. played I've, I've seen the, it since the 80s and it's very good. Yeah, and, and yeah. there's a bit, particularly at the beginning when they're all at a train station and they're all waiting for a train and there's no dialogue and they all just keep looking at each other and it's all extreme close-ups of the eyes yeah. and and it was you can see in that that those three were supposed to be Eli Wallach yeah, Lee Van Cleef and Clint Eastwood that, that's a trademark Leone shot isn't it you start with you can see three guys and then you zoom in a little bit and then you get closer and closer and you shoot from person to person yeah. and it ends with just the eyes yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's exactly how he does it yeah. at the end of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly yeah. wonderful uh, stuff great 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 movie 10.30pm uh, ITV4 on Wednesday the 8th of March let's move to Thursday the 9th of March we haven't had a war movie for a while We're yeah I knew you'd be disappointed born on the 4th of one. July I suppose yeah <laughs> but, yeah, but no dystopian war pro- proper war movie proper in like, war movie one, one that in some way yeah. or other kind of features World War 2 and Nazis yep that's, that's Howard's bag, that is. It and, is. And he has yes. found one that links to a film he mentioned just a minute ago because oh. it's from the director of uh, The Magnificent Seven. Yes, it is. John Sturgis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it is. The, the Eagle Has Landed. The Eagle Has Landed. Yeah, this is a brilliant old-fashioned movie. And I mean that as a compliment. It's uh, filmed in 1976. It's based on Jack Higgins' novel. And it's all about a plot, a uh, dastardly German plot, to kill Churchill. But what's interesting about it is they're almost the good guys in this because it's Michael Caine playing um, an officer and him and his men have been punished for not being evil enough, If you, that's a short version of it, uh, <laughs> by the Nazis. But they're sent on a suicide mission approved by Himmler to kidnap or kill Winston Churchill toward the end of the Second World War in order to basically get favourable terms when they negotiate eventual surrender. And... Uh, it's an old-fashioned boys' own tale of guys putting their lives at risk on what ostensibly looks like a suicide mission. But, um, you know, great fun. Uh, Michael Caine, really good in the lead role. Donald Sutherland um, is, is excellent in this as Himmler. Robert Duvall as the man tasked with giving Michael Caine the plan. Um, and um, Oh, sorry, no, did I say Donald Sutherland was Himmler? I was getting completely confused. Donald Sutherland plays the IRA man they enlist to help. Um, so he And he's very charismatic in it. Young Jenny Agatha is in it as well. She is quite young at this point. Um, and it's based on a, the, the novel that sold millions of copies and continues to still sell copies as far as I'm aware. It's a, a 25 million copy seller. Um, and Sturgis, the director we mentioned, I mean, his pack catalogue, he did Bad Day at Blackrock, Gunfight at the OK Corral, The Magnificent Seven, the Great Escape and Ice Station Zebra. Yeah. Not a bad career when no. you add the Eagle has landed into that. So you kind of know what you're going to get with him. It's going to it's going yeah. to be really good stuff. And whoever thought that an author from Newcastle would ever come good? But, I know. But Gosh. Jack Higgins. Yeah, I know he did. He showed, showed us the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. The, um, and and also, did you know that there was a sequel? that was published in the 90s by Jack Higgins called The Eagle Has Flown. Yes, I did, because I remember my dad buying that years ago because he was a big Jack Higgins fan, and he also bought... So Jack Higgins also wrote under another name, Harry Patterson. So he used to buy those books as well, and uh, they were all on the shelves at home as I was growing up. Okay. At the time, I didn't realise there was a castle connection, but there you go. Yeah. Well, well local lad done good. That, you know? yeah, yeah, he's the other one. Yeah. 
Yes. He's the other one. <laughs> Yeah, I've sold slightly less than 25 million copies, but I'm working on it. Well, yeah, he's only saying that if the tax man's listening. It's a slow burn. Anyway, The Eagle has landed, 9pm, BBC4, Thursday the 9th of March. What a cracking week of films. It's pretty good, isn't it? They're epic. Absolutely. Uh, If one of those, though, had to be your film of the week, which one would it be? I'm going to recommend The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, because I haven't seen it in a long while myself, and I'm going to sit down and watch it again. Great stuff. Thank you for that, Um, Howard. Very welcome. And uh, yeah, next week, it's the return of Chris Aikman uh, to the film guide. Howard will be back again in a few weeks' time. If you're really bored, look in a bargain bin of a bookshop, you might find one of his books. Right at the bottom, probably buried. It was in there first, and then covered with others. Try the works, places like that. Yeah. Yeah. 99p well spent. I get about 5p a book if you do that, so keep keep (laughs) buying them. (laughs) Yeah, buy several. They make great. Yes, Mother's Day's coming up. Every, every mum loves a book. Anyway, uh, Howard, thank you very much. We'll catch you again welcome. real soon. <laughs>